Good evening. Welcome to Grace Point and welcome to our Ash Wednesday service. This is a night of recognition. It is a night of owning and it is a night of empowering. So I would love it if we could begin by simply closing our eyes for a second and put both feet on the floor, uncross your legs. There's gonna be a lot of movement that happens tonight. The service is very interactive. You'll move forward or backwards towards stations for the imposition of ashes and also to receive communion in a few minutes. There's also gonna be moments of you speaking and reading from the screens, but I want us to start off by simply breathing and sitting in this moment. So close your eyes if you haven't already. Feel your feet on the floor. Let your mind catch up with your body and truly get here. Take a few deep cleansing breaths. I want to invite you to open your eyes now. We're gonna begin by reading something on the screens together. I will be your leader tonight and you are the all. So it's quite simply easy to follow. As we enter into this place, put away the pressures of the world that ask us to perform. The pressures that ask us to take up masks, to put on brave fronts. May we silence the voices that ask us to be perfect. This is a community of compassion and welcoming. Would you say this with me? We bring all that we are and all that we yet can be to this safe and ordinary space. Beloved begotten from stardust. Beloved begotten from stardust. I wonder what you think about when you hear that phrase. Is it liberating for you? Is it empowering for you? Or does it feel too lofty a weight for you to bear in your life in this season? Ash Wednesdays traditionally have been a reminder of our humanity, which is not a bad thing. We talk about that a lot, except the focus typically on Ash Wednesday has been to focus on our frailty. And that has been portrayed in very somber and very sobering ways. To dust you have come and to dust you shall return. But I would love for us to begin tonight remembering that life is begotten from stardust that we are radiant with both light and heat and thus power. And if we can begin to wrap our minds around our beginnings, then the recognition that when we come, that we are all one. And when I say that, I mean all of creation, all that we live with, all that now live and all that have ever lived. As the psalmist proclaimed, he said, the heavens declare the glory of God. And we are realizing more and more that not only are the heavens above us, but they are gloriously within us. And that we are gloriously within them. That all things, all of us are divinely connected. So we're not just talking species and races and na uh, nations and planets, but also solar systems and galaxies and universes. We are within God and God is within us. It is from stardust we have come and to stardust we shall return. Before we go any further, I wanted Annie Hallquist to come and to share a personal story of stardust and to speak over us. Annie. 
When I moved to Switzerland, if I'm honest with myself, I was running. I was escaping from brutality of mind, body, and spirit because I had been in years of on-again, off-again abusive relationships, and I was a shell of a woman. I was fractured, and I was breaking, and I couldn't do it in Nashville, so I fled to a chalet called Labrie in the Swiss Alps. And Labrie in French means the shelter. It was this communal safe haven where chores and ideas and meals were shared equally. But the thing about living in a commune is you can't hide. And I had a problem with this because I had skilled myself in the practice, in the toxicity of appearing happy. I had trained myself in humor and kindness and service to others because maybe if I was funny enough, if I was useful enough, then maybe, maybe they couldn't see the tragedy that was behind my eyes. But not in this place, not in this, this shelter. I couldn't hide there. So I isolated. And as I isolated myself from the community, I began to long for connection with home. And in a place where we didn't have cell phones, we shared one phone and one computer between 30 people. Mail was the exciting part of the day. And we'd all gather together in the foyer and we'd anticipate our names being called. And one day mine was. And I took my letter and I ran up the stairs and I sat down on my bunk and I looked down at the undeniable beauty of my grandmother's handwriting. And I looked at the way my name looked atop a Swiss mailing address. And I began to ponder the, the peculiarity of it all. Because my grandmother and I weren't particularly close growing up. But while I was there, she managed to send letter after letter about the politics of the retirement community or the Minnesota snow and even the last letter was about the failing of her toaster oven. So I didn't have high expectations on this particular letter. So I took out my pocket knife and I cut open the side fold and I carefully pulled out a card with a picture that my cousin had taken on top. And as I opened it, it read, simply and in its entirety, we are made of the same material as the stars, you and I. And I guess that means we will be just fine. Love you, Grandma H. And as the tears filled my eyes, these tears that had overwhelmed me night after night as I had to share my panic attacks through the thin walls of this commune with people that I didn't want to share them with because they were mine. No, these tears felt different. These tears, for the first time, it felt what it was like to remember what hope was. A couple years later, as my grandmother had just suffered a stroke, I lay in the bed next to her and I pondered my love of space. And as a child, I had grown up and I was the kid that had the glow-in-the-dark stickers in the Northern Hemisphere constellations to scale on my bedroom ceiling. 
And I would lay there at night and I would count them one by one and it would comfort me to sleep. And as an adult, I have often gone into the wild and I've laid in the dirt of the earth and I've looked to the heavens and I have felt that comfort. And in 24 words from my grandmother, I began to believe that 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 comfort could be inside of me. Could it be possible, could it be possible that I have stardust enough to shine out of this darkness? Could it be possible that anything could happen? I began to believe that I could do anything, even if that meant healing. And I laid in that hospital bed next to my grandmother, and I talked to her, and I slept next to her, and I would sing to her, You are my lucky star. I'm luckiest by far. And on the day she left this earth, I closed my eyes tight and I imagined her and I floating through the universe. We were laughing and sharing love with each other. And as we said our goodbyes, she permeated through this invisible layer. And so I pressed my hands to it, and she pressed hers to mine, and with kindness in her eyes and no words spoken, I imagined her telling me that she was going to a place I couldn't go to yet. She was returning to the stars that had lent her to us for a while. And so still, still I walk out, and I look to the heavens, and into the dark of night, and into this place, I say boldly, we are made of the same material as the stars, you and I, and I, I guess that means we are going to be just fine. When someone opens their heart in this community and shares a piece of their story, it is our response to say the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Annie, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Theologian Elizabeth Johnson said, Out of the Big Bang came the stars, and out of the stardust the earth, and out of the matter of the earth life, and out of the life and death of single-celled creatures and advancing tide, trilobites, fish, amphibians, insects, flowers, birds, reptiles, mammals, among whom emerged human beings. Mammals with brains so complex that we experience self-conscious intelligence and freedom. See, according to this scientific theory, everything is connected with everything else. British scientist and theologian Arthur Peacock explains, every atom of iron in our blood would not be there had it not been produced in some galactic explosion billions of years ago and eventually condensed to form the iron in the crust of the earth from which we have emerged. Quite literally, we are humans. We are beloveds begotten from stardust. And so tonight, we invite you to enter into this season of Lent in a different way. We invite you to reflect on our connections 
And if we reaffirm our connections on such a basic and cosmic level, then the question begs, how might we live differently? How might we live differently? Our hope for tonight and this season is that we will renew our sense of connection first to the power of our own God-given capacity. And then we will renew our compassion to a uh, connection to each other, to the other, whoever the other is in your life. And finally, our connection also to the environment and to the ground beneath our feet and to all of creation. So in that spirit, instead of marking our foreheads with just black ashes as a symbol of shame and sadness, tonight we will mark them with a symbol of stardust. It will be ash sprinkled with just a hint of glitter in it as a sign of our connection to ourselves, to our belovedness, to all of creation, to the other, and to the divine creator that we believe in. A connection that is wide, a connection that is expansive, and a connection that is inclusive. Yes, from stardust we came, and to stardust we shall return. And in between, we can recognize and move and grow into our divine light and our purpose. See, we have lived too long under the condemnation constructed by stories that no longer inspire life. It's time to fix that narrative. In this starlight, our darkness that we are all capable of, it gives way to eternity. New stories are born, stories that share the truth of love and life here and now. Into this mystery, the mystery that beckons us forth into life, asking only of us that we have no fear. Oh, that you would have no fear. For we were made to embrace this moment. We were made to embrace ourselves. We were made to embrace each other and creation and the mystery of our God. So the recognition of our capacity will need to include tending to our own roots to ensure that healthy growth happens in our own lives. As Mike is about to sing this beautiful song called Earth, my hope is that we would know our capacity and that we would understand that within our capacity is the ability to fall down. We also have the ability to get back up again. We have the ability to make mistakes and we have the ability to grow. Oh, that we would understand that these fault lines that this song is going to speak of, these fault lines underneath our earth, this song speaks of these hidden fractures that become exposed throughout our lives through certain relationships and situations. And the goal is for us not to pretend like they're not there. The goal is for us to become aware of them, to give them attention and compassion. So listen to these words as Mike sings. Dig till the shovel tells the secret. Swear to earth that I will keep it. Brush all the dirt. Let my change of heart occur. So soon after the appraisal, the hammer struck the auction table louder than anything I've ever heard. Four lines trembled underneath my glass. 
Our best life will include what is good for all and good for this earth. Would you stand with me now? Let us read this together and you will respond aloud when it says all. The expanse of life is broad and deep and we share the deeply rooted impulse towards its abundance with all living beings and things. We come to celebrate that reality with one another, finding as we do the strength to risk what needs to be risked as we shelter one another and care for the earth. As those who ground themselves in the interconnectedness of all life, we acknowledge the challenge to love and choose to be guided by it. As those who love deeply and differently within diverse context and with differing means, we choose to seek understanding that we might grow in empathy and so too in wisdom say this together as we open our hearts to ourselves and one another may we acknowledge the commonality that lies at the center of our diversity and raise up the beauty of life the cost of love and the challenge of wisdom we beloved begotten from stardust remain standing Typically within this service, there is a prayer of recognition of our sins, and then there is an absolution by the priest. But I long for us to know that we, each and every one of us, holds the power to forgive, not just the pastor, not just the priest, but every single one of us. So I'd love it in just a second if you could turn to your neighbor next to you and make sure we need to make sure that everyone is included in this so you may turn to more than one person. But listen, without need of knowing their mistakes, without need of knowing their sin, their own misgivings, the ways in which we have all held ourselves back from growth in our fullest capacity, without need of that, I want us to simply place a hand on each other's shoulders and say with great compassion, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. And then in turn, let that person say that back to you. So right now, I encourage you to do that with one another. As one of our elders, uh, David Serbaugh, is going to come and Stan's going to come. We're going to have three stations tonight with the imposition of the ashes. May these ashes that I'm holding, may they be blessed. May they be for us a symbol of our stardust and of our responsibility to ourselves and to others and the world around us. May we be earthed in an inclusive love as both forgiven and forgiving people. Let me do this with Stan and David first, and then we'll invite you to come. From Stardust you came, to Stardust you shall return. Your life matters. From Stardust you came, to Stardust you shall return. Your life deeply matters. From Stardust you came, to Stardust you shall return. And your life deeply matters. 
There's three stations, and I invite you as you are ready to come forward, and you can either kneel or simply stand in front of us. Come as you're ready. She just wants to be beautiful. She goes unnoticed. She knows no limits. She craves attention. She praises an image. She prays to be sculpted by the sculptor. No, she don't see the light that's shining deeper than the eyes can find it. Maybe we have made a place so she tries to cover up the pain and cut her woes away. Cause cover girls don't cry after their face is made. But there's a hope that's waiting for you in the dark. You should know you're beautiful just the way you are. And you don't have to change a thing. stars and we're beautiful oh
Pastor Mill asked me to leave the Eucharist tonight, and I read through her script and considered the beauty and the brilliance of her appropriation of the traditional somber sobriety of the dust of Ash Wednesday into the lovely stardust of a fuller expanding gospel. As I read through the script, it occurred to me that the earliest Christian writers said of this one we call Lord, they said he descended from the heavens above. They called him, understanding that of which she spoke, they called him the bright and the morning star. It was not strange then that at his birth, it was a star. It was a star that settled over his slight crib and it guided gift-bearing priests from a religion not ours and not even his. It guided them to his side. Stardust, the bright in the morning star. As I considered and pondered through the third time her words and her appropriation, it occurred to me that we shouldn't be surprised that when his work on earth was finished that he followed his Jewish ancestors, Enoch, who walked with God and wasn't. Elijah, who did not go down into the ground but went up into a chariot, he followed them. He followed them back into the heavens from whence he came. It occurred to me again, perhaps afresh for the first time, that he was a heavenly star. In the strictest sense of a word, he was a heavenly star made of earth and stardust. He was of the first atom scooped from the dust of the earth. He was of the second atom, celestial constellation, constellation and abundance of the heavens. He was this Jesus that we call Lord. He was terrestrial and he was celestial. He was a mix so divine that scarcely could you separate the two. He reminded us of who God was. He pointed us to the stars. He reminded us of who we are. He pointed us to the rocks. He was, like all of us, born from above and he was born from below. The early writers with every gift of inspiration, mythology, metaphor, and truth they could muster. They conceived of a divine seed and earthly seed, the seed of God and the seed of a woman mixed. He was, to his credit, and in his words to Nicodemus, born of water, amniotic fluid, and born of spirit. He floated in the womb of a young teenage girl and he floated in the multiverse beyond that which we could understand. He was scooped up from the dust of the earth and he was the substance of the stars, our frame. On the evening before his death, this celestial terrestrial star, this one composed of earth and heaven, 
he gathered with his closest friends for the Passover meal and as he finished the meal with them he nondescriptly took a piece of bread and he held it before them he held it before them and he reminded them that even morning stars could be dimmed he held a piece of bread he broke it and he reminded them that even those composed of stardust and the divine could experience brokenness he held a piece of bread and he reminded them that even sons and daughters of God could die not only those that floated in the womb of humans but those who floated in the wombs of stars could suffer tragedy martyrdom and suffering but to her credit as she lifts us from dust to stardust tonight Mel reminded us that the grandest of constellations this one named Jesus said that his brokenness was not for naught he said his brokenness was not for naught but it was for them and it was for us and it was for all of creation and as his hands took the bread and broke it he said this is my body this is my body broken not for nothing but for you and as often as you do this you do it to remember me he then with the same nondescript hands took the cup of wine and he looked into its red strain and strangely he thanked the father that he would be able to suffer for something that he would be able to suffer for substance that he would be able to suffer for cause as he looked into the red strain thanking the father he said to them this is my blood shed for you and he said as often as you do it you remember me you put me back together in your hearts and minds this past Sunday in keeping with what we're doing tonight I shared with you what had occurred to me in the last few years and that was that within 20 years of that moment the Christian church under the direction of a man named Paul a splendid theologian an appropriator a progressive who knew that the gospel would never be fullest in its first iteration but it would be a gospel that would unfold and unfold and unfold from mystery and glory to mystery and glory Paul looked into the face of a church that was wrestling with one-upsmanship and superiority and condescension and arrogance and diminishment with ego and suffering a church that was suffering within its bounds with the misdistribution of wealth and even the sustenance of food Paul looked into the dark light eyes of that mixed congregation of Jews and Gentiles and he said I now realize that you are the body of Christ and you are the broken bread within two decades the church was realizing that the flesh of God was more than the flesh of a bronze-skinned Galilean from Nazareth who was called a carpenter's son they begin to realize that this body was all who followed that Galilean and to receive the elements of bread and wine was to remember 
but to put back together the members of all those who call Jesus Lord. As the church has continued to break bread and drink the cup of the Eucharist, as surely as those first 20 years impacted deeply their view of the body of Christ, these 20 centuries have impacted even more our perspective of the body of Christ. We now know that the body is not less than Jesus, that bronze-skinned carpenter, that one born in Bethlehem. We now know that the body is not less than him, but it's more. And it is not less than those who call themselves Christians, but more. And as I listened to a young girl pray a Sikh prayer for our nation today, I was reminded that the body of Christ is not less than those who call themselves Christians, but it is more. It is not less than the human family, incarnation, in flesh, as we remember our brothers and sisters who have eyes and perhaps even have souls and tend to our lives with love. These animals, these mammals, these beings that breathe, the body of Christ is not less than the human family, it is more. And it is not less than this earth that we inhabit, but it is more. And as Richard Rohr so grandly describes, the body of Christ indeed is all of creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word was made flesh. And that flesh was not the beginning of God's manifestation, but simply the revelation of what had always been. So as we move toward the Eucharist tonight on this Ash Wednesday, we realize that communion is not the receiving simply of one man's brokenness and suffering. We realize that that man who first suffered actually was not the one who first suffered, but suffered on behalf of all who had ever suffered. We realize in the taking of communion that that one who suffered deeply on Golgotha, that skull hill outside the eastern Damascus gate of Jerusalem, was representing every child who's ever struggled for breath, every woman who's ever borne the abuse of a man, every refugee who's ever been cast out. Communion is not the receiving of one man's brokenness, and it is not the receiving of one religion's brokenness, and it is not the receiving of one species' brokenness, but that bread breaks right down the center of our universe in ways that we cannot fathom. And communion on this Ash Wednesday as we lift our eyes from dust to stardust is not the receiving simply of creation's brokenness into our bodies. It is not simply the receiving of despair and grief of creation's pain and sorrow into our being. But it is that receiving of pain and suffering and sorrow as Jesus said for a purpose. My body is not simply broken, it is broken for you. Creation with God is suffering. And so in communion we take pieces of bread and and half ounce of the fruit of the vine not to simply bear in our body grief and sorrow but to process it and to metabolize it 
and to transform this bread into flesh and life and hope and being. Communion is not an act of resignation or despair. Communion is an act of hope and transformation. We will digest this suffering until it becomes flesh and life. We receive these elements tonight with our eyes wide open. We are no fools and our heads are not buried in the sand. We are admitting pain, we are admitting imperfection, we are admitting brokenness, we are admitting wounding, and we are admitting death. We are admitting the dust of this earth. But we are not only admitting tonight, we are proclaiming. We are proclaiming healing and wholeness and abundance, reconciliation and eternal life. Our grasp tonight is not only the scooping of dirt, our grasp tonight is the reaching of stars. So as you, my eternal, celestial, divine siblings, come forward to receive these gifts of heaven, receive them on this Ash Wednesday with a grief that is mitigated by hope. Receive them on this Ash Wednesday with a suffering that is mitigated by a testimony of the saints that all shall be well all shall be well and again I say unto you all manner of things shall be well so we receive these things with sobriety but we receive these things these elements of bread and wine with hope can you say amen, amen. to that end I would like our servers to come and Pastor Mel and I will serve them the Lord's Supper first, and then they will serve the same to you. For the mothers and the daughters, the fathers and the sons, whose journeys now ended, whose journeys just begun. The helpless and the holy who do and don't believe, bless us in thy mercy.
station that I need you to know about is going to be right back here underneath the crosses. This is a station with grape juice and with gluten-free bread, okay? So grape juice and gluten-free bread is right here offered. Every other station around the room has wine and bread for you. And so if you need gluten-free or juice, we invite you to come to this station. As you come forward to any of these stations or go behind you, there's one behind you on this side, two in front, two in front. We ask that you cup your hands ready to receive tonight. They're going to place that piece of bread into your hand and then you'll simply dip that bread into the wine or into the juice and as you take that small bite, be reminded of who you are and your capacity for good in this world. Amen? Amen. Amen. As you are ready, we welcome you to come. And we always remind you that the line you stand in and the messiness and the waiting and the imperfection is part of the beauty of this whole thing. Watch the faces of those who receive. Look into the faces of those who wait. Be messy now, dear stardust. Let's receive.
There's a story by a Zen teacher who said to his students, if you raise a speck of dust, the nation flourishes, but the elders furrow their brows. If you don't raise a speck of dust, the nation perishes, but the elders relax their brows. So then we may ask, what is this speck of dust? What is that? What kind of power lies in these ashes and this dust? If you talk to anyone who gets a little bit of dust underneath the contact lens, they'll tell you one thing, surely. But I want to suggest that this Zen teacher has a different answer in mind. To raise up a speck of dust is to stir up goodness. It is to stir up and struggle for justice. It is to speak up for those who stutter, to speak up for those who do not speak the languages of power. It is to band together to stand resolutely and nonviolently before evil and refuse to be absorbed by it or intimidated by it. Do this and the powers will furrow their brows with consternation. Neglect the dust specks and the elders in charge breathe easy and they relax their brows and the people perish. This Zen story sounds like some of the prophets in scripture who call us to stir up the spirit, to practice compassion, to confound the horrors of inhumane living. So these ashes tonight, they are signs of life, life that liberates and frees us, life that speaks to our capacity for mistakes, yes, but also for growth and for good. So let this season not be a time of self-deprecation. Hear me, let this season not be a time of self-deprecation. Instead, let it be a time when our actions enable our lives to flourish and enable others to flourish as well. 
Let it be a time when our selfless actions seep into this world like the scent of a perfume distilled in this air. May we be encouraging and giving fresh hearts to those around us. May we be strengthening the bonds of community and connectedness, reminding everyone that no one needs to face tragedy alone and that no one needs to face celebration alone either. We, we are beloved, begotten from stardust. We, we are beloved, begotten from stardust. May we believe it and may we live it. Can you say amen? Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. You are dismissed.